This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Tingle, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with Ben Higgins. Ben first stepped into the public eye in 2015 when he was a finalist on ABC's The Bachelorette. He later went on to become The Bachelor in 2016, where he is remembered for really for his kindness, strong moral values. Since then, he's found success as a TV personality, podcast host, business entrepreneur. Uh, Two years ago, Ben founded Generous Coffee with the mission to sell products and donate the profit to organizations that are fighting human injustice literally around the globe. So it's a pleasure to welcome you, Ben, to the podcast today. Well, hey, I'm pumped to be here. That was quite the introduction. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hey, let's uh, let's start out. Let's uh, go back to your college years at Indiana University. You graduated in 2012. You received your degree in public affairs. How how does your degree play a role in your life now? That experience. Uh, well, you know, in 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 multiple ways. One of them is at Indiana University. There's two business schools. One is for the pr- public sector. The the other one is for the private sector. And the public sector really focuses on um, the environmental impact of business, um, the advocacy uh, of business, how much power uh, really healthy, successful businesses can have, both uh, for the good and for the bad. And I feel like I got a very holistic uh, education that took me now into what I do today because it educated me on how to run a for-purpose company. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, we have a phrase uh, uh, that we use here at Southeastern University a lot, divine design, helping students really discover how they were created, made, wired. Did you have kind of a passion leaning that way when you chose that degree and, 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 you know, kind of going down that uh, educational interest? Was that something that really you felt was wired in your life or how did you gain that? Well, you know, Kay, it's interesting. And I, uh, I always like to preface any type of call when it comes to who I am as a person and say that none of it really makes sense unless you know where my faith lies. Um, and so the, something happened very early on in my life where I realized that any pursuit I had, if it didn't have a bigger purpose in mind, it was going to feel empty. I don't really know where that came from. I just remember the, you know, the, the kind of, uneasiness in my my heart or soul when it said, hey, I'm I'm going to do this to make myself happy. That phrase has always kind of made me upset or, hey, I'm going to do this to make a lot of money. I've always I've always felt like, hey, that's never going to be enough. And so when I went to school, it really was with the intent of how can I find um, a skill set or learn a skill set or learn have an education that will prep me for my passion and my purpose. Um, it wasn't necessarily the idea that I was going to find my passion and purpose in school, but it was how can I use this time to to take advantage of the education I'm being given and, and gifted um, to then use it for you know what's going to come next. Sure, that's good. You you mentioned um, a, a phrase uh, as you were describing your company. You said uh, this is a for purpose organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's behind that for purpose? I like that. So. Generous, uh, as you mentioned, is a company we started two years ago. And we started with the idea that we, there's a ton of organizations out there, both non, well, really nonprofit 
organizations that are on the ground doing tremendous work around the world. They're experts in whatever injustice they're fighting. But um, the idea that every year we were going to have that these organizations were going to have to go out, call a bunch of people um, and raise money was an unsustainable thought. So we knew that that was going to be in the long run, it was going to be harder and harder for organizations to raise their funds through individual donors or through large corporations. So we started, we thought we could start a company. We could find a bunch of volunteers to help run it, just like you would for a nonprofit. And then we would donate our profits to nonprofits or organizations that are doing the, the, the on the ground injustice fighting. And so we are a for profit company. Um, we are not registered as a 501c3. We're a for-profit company. We just choose then to, instead of bringing in um, the profits into our own pockets, we then donate them out. So we call ourselves a for-purpose company, uh, which we think, um, you know, our own personal beliefs is that in a few years, that phrase is going to be kind of caught on to and that more and more companies will be kind of marketing themselves as for-purpose companies when their main mission is to do something that's trying to bring uh, make the world a better place and not just to satisfy the the shareholders. Yeah, that's a great, great phrase. And no doubt it's going to catch on. Hey, you were on The Bachelorette, then became mm-hmm. The Bachelor. How how did you stay true to yourself and your values in the midst of what I'm sure at times felt like chaos, confusion, but also knowing that you're on a show that wants to produce ratings? Yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't always easy. Now, and I can't claim that I always did it. Um I think, again, one of the things with me is that none of this makes sense unless I have, unless you understand that I have a, a really, uh, I don't just believe in Jesus because of, um, growing up in the church or because of an idea that was told to me or because of a fear of what's going to happen next if I don't. I believe in Jesus because I believe, uh, God is real. And so in the midst of any circumstance, no matter what's going on around me, that truth doesn't change. And, and so as a result, uh, when it comes down to it, if you boil that whole idea down to anything, it would be, Hey, there's something out there bigger than me. And so as you're on the show, I always had the, the, the belief that there's something out there bigger than me. This can never just be about myself. And a part of that became because I had friends pouring into me saying, Hey, this is going to get crazy. You're going to get a lot of attention. Your picture is going to be everywhere. People are going to be loving on you and hating on you. This is going to be very you focused. Um, and I had a buddy, two, two friends, uh, that gave me the best advice. One, um, well, three friends. One was the host of the show said, use this experience to enhance the life you already have, not change it completely. A second friend told me to use this whole experience as something for something bigger than myself. Um, which is, you know, kind of where generous came in. And the third friend told me that no human was ever uh, made to be famous, that it's just a byproduct of some things that have happened in our lives. And so the question then is, how are you going to handle the fame, the burden of fame that you've been given? And all of those continue to ring in my head. And then at the same time to, to say, Hey, I have a platform now that I can talk about the one thing that matters to me the most. And that is that there is a God out there that loves people well. Um, and so it was never that hard. I just, I, I fell short a few times, but there was always the ability to get back up and keep moving forward. You uh, often talk about your trip to Honduras and mm-hmm. how that changed your life. And is, and is this really the reason behind generous coffee when, when thinking back, what was that, what was the most defining moment of that trip that created, uh, you know, some of the drive in your life? 
Yeah. So, uh, 15 years ago, no, geez, sorry. Yeah. 15 years ago, I took my very first trip to Honduras and it was with an organization that did disaster relief. They did a great job and we'd pass out food boxes. Um, and we left, we went back the next year and we did the same thing. And, um, one of the, the things that happened during that second trip is I realized that, uh, none of the lives of the people that we were giving boxes to were getting any better. Um, and one of my other buddies realized the same thing. He's just a lot smarter than I am. And so he came up with an idea that we could, uh, build an organization that could, um, help support sustainable change in these communities by helping the people in these communities find jobs. And once they found jobs, uh, we could create small businesses. The small businesses would then help pay for healthcare and education and better infrastructure, clean water, so on and so on. So this nonprofit was thriving that was created to do this. So we have four communities. They're all getting healthier and healthier year over year. But one of the things we're realizing is as your nonprofit grows, as I mentioned before, the, the budget has to increase as well. And it's not like a bunch of 20 year old men had a lot of connections to find donors and we were kind of tapped out on donors. And so we had to re reanalyze how we were running the organization. We had to grow and mature as an organization. And one of the ways we want to do that is to find a sustainable fundraising source. And that's where Generous came in. It came in, Generous was created with the idea that we could sell coffee, t-shirts, mugs, bracelets, um, these products that are sustainably sourced, that have stories behind them, sell them online and in churches and in schools, and then donate the profits back to these nonprofits that we know are doing a good work on the ground in an effective way. So that trip to Honduras really did two things for me. One, it highlighted the fact that there is true poverty in the world. The other, the other thing it highlighted was that there could be solutions to poverty. That Humanity and Hope United, the nonprofit we were part of, was helping with, uh, and other organizations as well, was helping solve the issue of poverty in some of these places. And third, that if these organizations were going to be them their best selves and pursue the mission that they wanted to, they had to have a way to sustainably fundraise. And that's why that trip meant so much to me. And, and Generous is currently uh, collaborating with a company called Sackcloth and Ashes, a, a blanket company that donates to the LA Mission. Uh, how, how did this collaboration begin and, and, and your role uh, in, in this organization? Yeah, so one of the things, Kent, that's interesting is as we have, have grown as a company and, and we've been around for two years now, I've gotten uh, through speaking engagements and through different conferences, I've been able to connect with more and more leaders from these four purpose companies. And, and at a conference in Atlanta a few years ago called Plywood, um, the founder of Sackcloth and Ashes, Bob Dalton, spoke. And his story is amazing. His mom um, ended up uh, as a person without a home. He, he then started to get educated on the idea of homelessness and realized that the shelter's biggest ask was for blankets, that blankets not only provided warmth, but also security. And, and it reminded people of their childhood and, and it gave them ownership into something. And so Bob started Sackcloth Nashes with the kind of the, the buy one, give one model that we could, that he could, uh, sell blankets online and then donate blankets back to their, lo the, the local shelters around really the U.S. So if, if you bought a blanket in Lakeland, Florida, uh, Bob would see that, um, on the purchase order and then donate a blanket to Lakeland, Florida's local homeless shelter in your honor and your name. Oh, wow. Um, and so That's we great. got connected because we, for this, this last year, Bob and I were talking about like, what goes better than coffee and blankets? I'm best known for selling coffee. He's best known for selling blankets. Let's partner two organizations together because we're better together than we are apart and build this campaign to make huge impacts in the world. 
And that's where that campaign came from. Mm, so good. You partner, you know, with a couple of your friends, Riley and Drew, to run Generous Coffee. Uh, how, how do you, how would you describe your leadership style in that environment? Well, it, it changes, um, as we grow. And I think initially, you know, this is my first go around, um, leading and running a company that has employees. And one of the ways that we did it was uh, one of my, my core tenants to leadership is that you have to surround yourself with people a lot better than, than you are. And you have to admit that they're a lot better than you are. But then also, you, you know, you have to, to be direct in communication. And so those are buddies of mine, Drew and Riley. And then now we have a third or a fourth owner uh, called named Cole. We're all friends and we want to keep that friendship because we believe that this could be a lot more fun if we're friends doing it together than just, you know, coworkers or business partners. But one of the things we've learned is that we have to be direct in our communication, that, that tough conversations happen weekly for us, that there's phone calls that are made to a friend of mine that, that without context could hurt them. But because we've gotten so used to communicating at that deep and, and intentional of a level, those conversations are no longer scary. So we're able to not only move forward in our friendships, move forward in our working relationships, but also move forward as a company because I communicate and we communicate very intently and very directly with each other. There is no room for, hey, how do I go about having this conversation in a passive way? We just don't have time for it. Um, the yeah. other one is involvement. We really want to, we really want generous to feel, uh, like a community. And so one of the ways that I like to lead is by allowing as many people to be involved as possible. Um, not at sometimes the deep levels that I, that I have to go, but we want people to feel the impact of generosity through our company. And so that's always communicated to anybody that wants to be a part of it is, Hey, if you want to help, if you want to come on, if you want to be an, an advocate or ambassador for generous, come join us. Uh, because the more people that are focused on generosity, the better. And then it's better for organizations. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, what, what does it look like, uh, to have a tough conversation with people who are friends? Cause I think a lot of young people kind of struggle with that. So mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? Well, there's a few layers to it. One is, uh, one of the, one of the, the problems that we've noticed in this is that your, your friendships can be focused, become focused on work. And so you lose the friendship aspect. You've, you lose what you've talked about for years. If that's relationships or sports or hobbies, whatever that is, you, if you, if you're working together, you oftentimes always have your conversations around work. That needs to stop. You need to set aside time to be friends still, to connect with each other, to talk about things. And when work comes up, you need to say, Hey, we're not talking about work in this conversation. I'm here to be your friend in this call. Um, the next is, uh, I think we've always preface our phone calls with, Hey, I want you to know this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. And then we allow conversation to exist. Um, it, we've had disagreements. We've had issues where we leave phone calls upset, but just like I hope you would in any relationship, you don't let those relation that, that anger or kind of frustration linger. You confront it head on. You battle through it in a sense. You, you, you confront it in, in an effective ma manner. But one of the biggest things, I, one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give to anybody that's leading an organization with friends is the healthy boundaries. Um, if you're going to lose your friendships at the sake of business, it's not worth it. 
we believe at Generous that each each human is valued at such a level and that each human human has a value that they they far outweigh any business decision we'd ever make. That I want to keep friendships above anything else. And if they if business ever start, starts getting away that, then we need to re re envision how these partnerships are looking. Yeah, that's a that's a powerful framework. Uh, you, you know, you're a huge public figure, especially in the world of social media. That definitely comes with its ups and downs as people can be brutal online. Tell me, how do you deal with criticism that comes your way? It hurts, man. It always does. Um, my girlfriend uh, right now is just, you know, we just started dating a year ago. And when we started dating her it, public, you know, her... It, her name was starting to be recognized and her Instagram and social media grew considerably. And she started to get, you know, the thousand comments that are nice. And the one comment that's, that's not hurts. And so it's difficult. Here's, here's what's worked is one, you become calloused a little bit, which is, is at some level isn't healthy because you come become callous to criticism. So one of the, the things I've set up in my life is I have four friends that I've asked to speak truth into me at any moment, at any time. But I know that, that when they speak something difficult into my life, it's been prayed through, it's been thought through, it, it comes from a, a wise place. So if I see a message on Instagram that says, hey, Ben's a sellout, I'll call those friends and say, hey, this is what I'm reading and I'm, I'm at some level believing it. Is it true? And they'll help me walk through it. And I know that they're holding uh, that responsibility uh, at a high level and that they'll help me walk through it in a wise way um, so that either we come to the conclusion that, yeah, I'm not being true to myself or, hey, I am. I need to um, I need to ignore this uh, because I'm doing just what I, I'm supposed to be doing. The other is, uh, and how, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, how do you pick people to be that kind of voice in your life? Um, well, I think I think you see it in friendships. In the you know before this all happened, I had some consistent people in my life, um, men and women, that would always speak truth to me, um, and so they, it was kind of a natural evolution to then move them into the role of, Hey, I need you in this time when the world now feels like it's speaking to me. And there's so many people speaking to me. Now I need you to step up and, and use, and I, and they know they all, all understand that that is their role in my life to, to speak truth in me. And that I will never be offended uh, when they say something, it might hurt. It might take me back, but I know they're doing it because I've asked them to to do this because I trust them and I believe that they'll make me help make me a better person. Um, so it's been a clear ask. Hey, this is what I'm seeing my life come to. I need this from you. Are you willing to do it? And if they say yes, then they do it. Um, because I'll tell you this, Kent, it, the longer and longer I, I've lived in this world, the harder and harder it gets to ignore, honestly, some of the, the things because people get to know me better. People get to see my physical changes. Uh, they get to see me age. They get to, see, they get to hear from me more. And so it's a lot easier to criticize me, especially when you have all these things that you speak, you know, when, when I speak on my podcast or when I speak at conferences, I share intimate details of my life. So people know where to hurt me and how to hurt me easiest. And so when they, so I have to have people to lean back on to say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Is it true? Or is it not? Nobody's tough enough to do that alone. Oh, so true. And, and and in this world of social media that is so instant, I mean, yeah, it just hits you so hard so quickly. No, good stuff. I I, I do want to ask you this. You own a business, ho- host a podcast. I mean, you participate 
in many interviews, public events, um, you know, you have a great platform that I think God has placed you on. There's no doubt about it. In the midst of all of this, how do you, how do you find balance in your life? Yeah. Well, you know, I have, uh, I met a, a buddy who is a very popular author named Bob Goff a few months ago. And, um, he's become a good friend and he had me on his podcast and, and didn't tell me that this was a question we were going to talk about. Um, but he popped it. He kind of just surprised me with, Hey, how do you find balance? And I've thought about this a lot. And I'll be honest with you, it's my, after talking to him and after you asked this question, it is still my biggest weakness. Um, I have gotten in, in a kind of a scenario where everybody feels busy in life. There's not one person I've ever met that says, Hey, they're not busy. Everybody's busy. Um, the question though is how much time do you leave to refuel? And I don't know where that balance lies because there's moments in my life where I feel, uh, like if I'm not doing something, then I am not living out what my purpose should be or that I'm wasting time in a sense. But I've thought about it a lot. Here's, here's what I'm working on myself. Um, I have set, set up intentional time in my week now to do something I enjoy. If that's working out, uh, if that's having a conversation with a friend, if that's walking, whatever it is, I have it in my calendar now to take intentional time to, to reset and refocus. In addition to that, here's another thing I've really helped that's really helped me is at eight o'clock at night, my phone goes away. Um, it sits far away from me. My computer goes away. Uh, whatever I'm doing, I, I am focused on that. And then I'm not doing four things at once. And so about eight o'clock every night, all that happens and it helps me refresh. It helps me rest. Um, but during the day, I do think it's important to, for me right now, I have been putting in extra practice on how do I find an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes every day to do something I personally enjoy and that I find benefit from. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you one final question. And then I, I like to close every podcast out with um, a fire round of three quick questions and quick answers. But here's the last question before we get into that real quick. Um, you know, what would be some advice, leadership advice that you would give to young people, to students who, you know, they're, they're stepping out into their career ahead of them. They have multiple passions. They're trying to find their fit or find their way. What would that piece of advice be to them? Okay. Well, yeah. So my, my first piece of advice would be if you're ever in a place of leadership, me and when I think about that, that's, having an impact, which I think we all do at any stage in life. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's listening to you. You have the power, the ability to make somebody feel a certain way. So in every, whatever stage of life you're in, no matter how young you are, or how old you are, um, just know that your impact is still great. And so my first piece would be surround yourself with people that you trust. Also that people that are, and, and people that are, um, I don't want to say more skilled than you, but have different skill sets than you do. Uh, if you're building out a team or if you're, you're building out a group, um, make sure that that group is, is holistic in nature. So that it has different skills and different, different abilities to move something forward because you're going to need everybody. You're better with others and you are alone. I said that earlier and I mean that. Um, the next, uh, the next phase of that is, and I think that we underestimate how incredibly smart our young people are. Uh, they read through, um, any time, anything that's not authentic and genuine. 
So my advice to any leader out there that is guiding young people, be authentic with them, be genuine with them, be open with them. Uh, at a young age, people are starting to go through similar struggles and ask similar questions that we are as adults. And so if they can see an adult um, that ha- that is willing to pour into them and teach them life lessons that they've already learned, I believe those young people will respond in a great way. And I think it will make us better as leaders um, if we continue to pour into them. And my final piece of, of advice, the, w- the one thing I'd, ha- I'd have for anybody that's pursuing a passion or a mission of theirs is to start saying yes, uh, to not wait for the perfect job and don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Um, don't sit back and get lazy and unsatisfied that, you know, you're, you aren't uh, leading a company the first month out of college to start saying yes to new opportunities, to new experiences. Uh, because I think when you do that, um, you're going to build, uh, an understanding and knowledge and a grit. Uh, that will help you become that b- the best possible leader later. And so in short, I'd say state start. I would tell anybody start saying yes to opportunities now. Yeah, that's, that's great wisdom. Thank you for, for sharing that. Hey, quick, uh, quick fire round of questions. Just three yeah. of them. I want to ask you, um, let's say you have a day when your calendar is clear. You've been mandated, mandated to take a perfect day off. What's a perfect day off look like for you? Uh, golf course, um, golf course with my, my friend, uh, family or my friends, uh, and a close second would be going to the lake. Uh, I, I'm right now in Indiana and I grew up on the lake. And so if I get a day on the lake, that is a place that I could sit and relax and watch the waves crash all day long. Yeah. Hey, anywhere near Lake Tippecanoe by chance? Super close. I grew up on Winona Lake. So about 20 okay. Yeah. I have family uh, on Tippecanoe there. It's a great, great place. Hey, uh, what historical leader, living or dead, would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? Um, you know, I, I've, I've gotten this question before. Uh, I really, um, I think uh, right now, Bob Goff uh, is, is, that, is that guy. I think he is a great leader. I think he's impacted multiple generations. And he, him and Richard Rohr, uh, both those guys are two leaders I appreciate. Final question, what's your next big dream? Uh, my next big dream is to, is to truly, um, I, I have a dream that I think the people living on earth today, no matter what age you are, will have the ability and the resources to solve the water crisis in the world. And I believe that we, it's going to come really soon that we'll just have to say, yes, let's do it and get behind it. And it could happen. And my dream is to help is to try to be a part of that advocacy. I want to see the clean water crisis solved in the world. And I believe that we have the ability to do it. Yeah. Hey, Ben, thank you for being on the podcast today. I, I, I love you. I mean, you're so transparent and, and genuine. You are others oriented and there's no doubt you are an impactful gift to people in this world and grateful for you. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. If you haven't already, be sure to con- uh, connect with Ben on Instagram at Higgins.Ben and to find out more about Generous Coffee and their partnerships with nonprofit organizations, you can visit sackclothandashes.com. That's sackclothandashes.com. Again, Ben, great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, just a little clarity. Also, make sure you go to generouscoffee.com. Okay, generouscoffee.com. Generouscoffee.com. Yep. All right, great. Thanks for, for being on the cast. Appreciate it.
To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.